Welcome to Clinical Lab Chat, part of the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'll be speaking with Prashanth Perkubali uh, about the difficulties of implementing a digital pathology workflow, how to overcome resistance, and why digital uh, pathology is necessary for laboratory success. Uh, Prashanth is uh, the Chief Product Officer uh, of Pramana, uh, having more than two decades of experience in design, applications engineering, go-to-market planning, and product lifecycle management, and is a big believer in the advantages of hardware software co-design. His vision is to bring a friction-free transformation of pathology labs into the digital era. So, Based on this introduction, I think I'm talking to the right person about the importance of digital pathology. So, Prashanth, welcome to Clinical Lab Chat, and let's dive right in and get down to the importance of digital pathology. So, I've been covering the medical field for probably about as long as you've been working in it, and I'm uh, always struck that we're still talking about the need to implement digital platforms. So, I mean, what, what's the holdup? Why are we, why are we still talking about about why why we need to do this? Why this is a good idea, etc. What what's going on here? Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, it's it. I think we would have a wonderful discussion around this at this point. Um, when it comes specifically to talking about digital pathology, um, and if we were to focus on why is it we are still talking about um, yay or nay from a uh, adoption perspective, I think it is uh, to do with the element of what exactly are the um, the stakeholders expecting out of a digital transformation. So uh, if you were to look at what happened in the radiology space uh, about 15 years ago, almost, um, the, the digital transformation happened extremely rapidly and seamlessly because the x-rays at the time, the film, got replaced and um, it went into the digital realm, and people were ab- able to go about doing their job just as if they were doing things with x-rays. There was actually a changeover. There was a changeover from the film to digital. So there was a replacement. Um, if you look at digital transformation across the board in any of the other lab practices with respect to how data is handled and how any of the data that comes out of, for instance, a flow cytometer um, has to be looked upon, uh, looked at in the digital realm because there is no other way to look at it. Um, There's been a very seamless adoption of digital in many of the labs um, in general. Digital pathology is a little tricky in that regard. Uh, At the end of the day, what we talk about is, of course, a workflow transformation with digital, which means that you're going to be doing a lot more things um, sitting at a computer screen or maybe on a tablet and much, much uh, less dependence on paper. However, the one of the key elements in the entire workflow, this aspect of a sample under a microscope, uh, the sample as we know it, the tissue sample sitting on a glass slide, will still have to be made in the analog domain. So. Technically, what we talk about when we talk about digital pathology specifically is essentially building a digital paradigm around the whole aspect of the tissue. The tissue itself remains analog, at least as far as you know we know today. There are technologies that 
I hope will come through that will also help do things, you know, bring some more um, interesting options options in the future. So digital pathology hasn't been a no-brainer for the labs um, because there was no replacement of the analog element, one of the analog pieces, uh, as it stands out. Now, of course, in the in in the context of that, um, what ends up happening is there has to be enough other use cases, enough other efficiencies that have to evolve for labs to be able to say it is we can justify the investments as well as the retraining and whatever changes we would have to go through to go digital in spite of knowing that there is a key analog block in the in the pipeline so that's that's where i feel uh it has taken longer than usual for this part of the lab to go digital yeah that's re that's really interesting because uh you brought up radiology that's where i i started uh 20 years ago covering uh those that transformation and and it's really interesting that that analog uh transformation that you're that you're talking about so now one one thing we talked about in the pre-interview was that fundamentally there's often a, a disconnect between the digital pathology platform, which you've kind of alluded to, and the lab's uh, established workflow. And so is it that disconnect and really not the budgetary constraints? Because that's always a thing that comes up. You know, there's it's you know it costs too much to 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 make the transition. Uh, the analog is good enough, paper is good enough, etc. Uh, is that the real reason why a lot of labs are implementing a digital platform? It's more that that technological disconnect that you kind of alluded to. I think it's a combination of various factors. Um, if we were to break the problem down into a couple of different uh, different quadrants, the budget element is always a challenge for sure. Um, especially, like I said, when when you're not quite saving money. Uh, by not having to make a glass slide, a very minimal element. Um, if there was actually a replacement there, it would have probably been a no-brainer. However, um, we also need to realize that first-generation systems, just like first-generation any technology, um, is always going to be a lot more expensive because people are still trying to figure out exactly where to fit in the, the technical pieces together such that you can get economics out of it. Um, the And I think that's a natural tendency and a natural phenomenon that is bound to play out in the early days of adoption of any technology. So I honestly don't worry so much about the budget elements, purely because uh, we have been able to see ourselves that uh, you can actually do digital. When you look at the, uh, the element of what are all the costs involved, um, there is, of course, the cost of making the images. So like we said, the slides have to be made. That, that doesn't change. So the cost of making images, the cost of storing images, the cost of preparing the images, if you may, for downstream usage. So there are three different costs. And storage, as we know, gets better and better in terms of pricing as time evolves. Um, there are so many other applications in the world that are producing so much data that there is a roadmap in the in the semiconductor world to get storage to where it needs to over a period of time. There will be better and better um, technology advancements that, that, that come in to say, how do we optimally store data? What kind of data to store? 
what is relevant and how do you optimize that um, this happens this has its own legs in the in the technology world um, there's a lot of work that happens at very many institutions looking at how just to optimize storage um, of a of, of it could be videos it could be images or it could even be a combination of those the aspect of cost of scanners um, this is again a i in my opinion it's it's a first generation problem um, every every early generation device always tries to be sure that nothing breaks or it is built to perfection um, such that when when someone is trying to go out there and evangelize a brand new technology the last thing you want to have is this aspect of saying um, that i have limitations so everything is normally built to be the best of what you can and um, this is something that is generally over a period of time you would realize that you know research further research goes into the aspect of saying where are the places where i can back off a little bit in terms of whether it is the the um, i mean performance will always be key um, let's say resolution the images and image resolution image quality is probably something that no one would want to compromise on but the aspects of saying do i really have to have the highest end um, customized robotics inside my system to deal with moving a you know a glass slide that is a few grams in weight um, to be able to locate it in the right right place for getting the work done do i need to have extremely high-end mechanics that uh, will ensure that there is absolutely zero vibration coming from anywhere in the building onto my system these are various things that will continuously get imp they continue to improve generation over generation so today we are able to um, get to a point um, with pramana where we're able to tell people that um, you could digitize your slides at a fraction of the cost of what has been out there as an industry norm even until about a year or a year and a half ago okay so but but it really is though in many cases and what we were talking about uh, uh in our pre-interview was a lot of what the issue and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of, of how you're you're solving some of this uh in a couple minutes but it is that disconnect though between and and get back to the radiology the radiology example because uh, i think both of us are, are familiar with that um i know one of the big one of the big complaints a lot of radiologists had back in the back in the day during that transformation to digital when 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 film actually was going away was that they wanted hanging protocols that looked like what they did in physical space and again, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the disconnect with, you know, workflows that are being uh, uh, handed to, to an organization by whoever created the, the, pro the solution. Um, is, that more of the, is that more of the issue? I mean, the budgetary is, of course, an important issue. But is that really more, like, you're going to get more pushback from that, 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 uh, that laboratorian at the bench from the fact that you're messing up their established workflow as opposed to, um, you know, they, they may not necessarily really uh, be as concerned about the, the, the budgetary aspects of it, you know, the, the, 
rank and file. Whereas, you know, a lab manager has to, of course, talk about the budgetary side of it, but he also has to have laboratories who want to use this and, and um, have to be, be uh, uh, you know, be, um, uh, you know, take into account their, their, uh, their work, the workflow as well. So, so is that really, is it that disconnect? Is that what's really the holdup to a certain extent? It is a big holdup, absolutely. Um, so, like I said, when we when we put the budgetary um, elements aside, assuming that you know technology will figure out ways to make the cost, you know, in line with what the what the market can bear. Um, the bigger challenge has been the aspect of um, the integration. Um, you talked about you talked about systems level integration into the into the workflows. In this particular case, we generally talk about the management systems, the imaging management systems, uh, and the image management systems, the the text management systems, and such uh, pertinent to the particular case, and how they do a two-way connection, if you may, with the laboratory information systems. The laboratory information systems have been fairly archaic. Um, they've um, they have to undergo changes on their side to to be able to accommodate a whole new set of data types in very, very large images and such. So what has been happening is that um, these two industries have almost tried to coexist with each other. So there are lots of solutions that are coming up that are finding the middle ground between, you know, what a laboratory, inf laboratory information system looks like versus uh, what is a digital pathology system producing and how to bridge that gap in between. Um, there are several solutions out there. There's no one cookie cutter solution, if you may. There lacks of, lack of standardization um, is a challenge there. So indeed, this is a space that hasn't been fully explored. And what that does, Chris, is it essentially increases the burden of a lab that wants to go digital. So someone opens up an LIS on one of the computer screens, and then on another screen, they have to open up an, um, an IMS, an image management system. And then another screen, they open up a algorithm um, that would probably run on one of the images and give an output. And why are they doing it that way? It's because the, like I said, the, the, the seamless integration hasn't happened yet. It's so, it's so interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting because this is just like what happened with radiology. The same thing happened happened there as you, you probably remember uh, and and with other industries I've covered as well outside of medicine, the same thing has happened. It really is so interesting that we each industry has to go through this kind these kinds of steps before you get this more integrated integrated seamless workflow. That that you know, I think we're we're all hoping to get to, right? It almost seems like every industry has to learn everything all by itself again. It really does. It's really strange. It's it's a, it's and it's also very frustrating. It's very frustrating for everybody, and particularly, um, I wouldn't say frustrating, but I, I find I, I have a lot of deja vu moments. I've had a lot of deja vu moments over the last uh, decade or so because of because of that uh, in covering different industries. However, having said that, um, I think I think we are seeing a 
tremendous amount of um, increase in the interest levels. I think COVID has helped a lot. Um, it has opened up people to the notion of wanting to look at digital pathology, not necessarily as a, you know, as a nirvana of, um, uh, as a panacea for all the problems that, that a lab has, but to look at bits and pieces of it. Um, COVID has allowed for uh, labs to work with their pathologists and their consultants in a telepathology mode to get the job done. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, however bit of a pain it was with having to connect between several systems, um, things were getting done. And that is opening up a, a new uh, appreciation, if you may, new level of appreciation for wanting to go digital because it solves a problem. Um, one of the biggest problems it, it, it is, uh, you know, addressing today is um, a lab that is sending in any samples to a reference lab, a larger lab at an academic medical center, as an example, um, for getting either some specialized testing done or, um, or getting a second opinion. Um, today, the entire thing happens in a manual fashion. Someone sends in some slides. Um, often they are worried about sending in the blocks, the paraffin blocks, because in case they get misplaced or something. So um, there is an opinion. The first opinion is is created at the reference lab. Then they might ask for the blocks to be sent in, um, and uh, then the blocks will be processed for further uh, further testing and such. A lot of this is essentially, you know, uh, painful both to the patient as well as the labs, because there's a lot of follow-up, there is a lot of time lost, mistakes happen um, and such. So these are the kind of things that digital is able to solve very, very quickly. And it can be very contained in its nature. It's a case that has been created. It has gone through its course and then it has you know, come to the end of life and it stops. You know, It's been reported and it stops. And this is possible um, and you can imagine this happening anywhere in the world. So digital pathology is starting to happen uh, a lot more rapidly now than you know what we had seen over the last, um, I think it's the fastest ever um, uptake happening today than what it was ever in the last decade. Uh, and you know it, you can see it in, in, in conferences, in you know uh, various shows um, that happen throughout the year that, the chatter is happen. The chatter is high. Um, people are realizing that there are some use cases that are more ripe than the others, and uh, I think we will see um, a tremendous amount of activity in this space now. Yeah, and I, I think you've you've kind of covered some of the big benefits. So let, let's talk about what you do, at Pramana. And one of the things my understanding is when we, when we were discussing this uh, prior, you know, uh, about a week or so ago, uh, when we were uh, discussing uh, this podcast, that one, what you really did is that you've kind of uh, maybe, I don't know, solved is the, is the right word, but maybe have at least uh, you're addressing that design uh, workflow disconnect, you know, that, that you're not sort of, uh, you know, dictating what the work, what that lab workflow uh, needs to look like. So, why don't you go over how you solve that, and what does that sort of approach? Uh, and as you mentioned, there's no panacea, but what does that kind of approach 
give to to uh, to a lab? Sure. Um, so we are obviously not um, able to solve all the problems um, in the in the ecosystem. So right. there is a particular part of the um, challenge or the workflow um, optimization that has generally off, uh, generally been uh, not uh, catered to very well. Um, and this has to do with the glass slide itself, um, as I was mentioning before. So labs have to continue to make their glass slides. They have to continue to stain them. And one of the challenges in the entire adoption curve has been this tremendous amount of new requirements that have been placed on labs in order to prepare to go digital with their glass slides. So there is uh, th there are a, a set of unsaid rules that have been formed over the last uh, several years. Um, a lot of publications talk about it and uh, you know brochures of many of our competitors talk about it, where they are essentially, again, first generation systems, lots of constraints in terms of what has been built in into the systems. So the labs have been essentially asked to make better, do better with respect to their um, side of the operations, making slides, uh, better slides, being very, very careful in terms of how the tissue is cut and how it is placed on a slide. Um, you know, when labels are placed uh, to make sure that they don't, they don't stick out. The challenge with all of these is that um, it's not that labs were, you know, deliberately making any bad slides in the past. However, when you go in and say, going forward, you're going to have to be extra careful. The immediate challenge that comes with that is actually of cost and resources. Technicians, um, all of a sudden, are a lot more, you know, vigilant. Um, in they need to be a lot more vigilant. Um, there has to be some kind of quality assurance that is placed on top of some of the activities that probably did not need in the past. So. One of the challenges that um, we have heard whenever I have met with many of the lab managers has been this issue of um, how they have had to invest in other adjacent equipment sometimes in order to in order to cater to the requirement for you know what are generally called digital ready slides. Um, what we have done um, and we've we've demonstrated now that it is possible that you can utilize a, a lot of um, learnings from the image processing world, from the AI world, to bring back the element of essentially dealing with however the slides are made today, um, how to make the most of it, and how to make the best possible reproduction of that glass slide in the digital form. So how do you do this? You essentially bring intelligence into the entire image making part itself in the image acquisition systems. Um, we call them scanners. So intelligent scanners that are essentially able to do uh, things in a fashion, I like to essentially call it fully autonomous and fully self-driving. Um, something that is able to you know, not have to rely on a technician to have to make choices on whether or not to um, scan a slide, how to scan the slide, what kind of parameters to set, um, what kind of decisions to be made. These are all things that 
technicians are not generally meant, you know, they're not trained for this. This is a new technology. This is a new space that is, uh, you know, still in in some fashion, uh, Greek and Latin for many of the technicians. So that's the part that we have addressed in our uh, first generation systems very, very well. And uh, today, what we are able to tell with a fair amount of conviction and with a lot of data to prove from some of our early uh, mass mass deployments is that we can, um, if, a, if a pathologist has been able to take a slide, however it was made, and go about using their microscope and make a decision, make a diagnosis on the slide with an intelligent system and associated software, um, we are able to pretty much replicate every bit of that information in the digital domain so that, such that the pathologist can continue to do what they have done before. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. The, wh- one of the things that you brought up earlier that I want to kind of circle back to a little bit is, and you brought it again, you're in a first, genera- you're in a first generation technology. You talked about first generation technologies a little bit. Um, and certainly someone has to be the first uh, to uh, implement uh, something. Why would, you know, what would your advice be to someone who is looking at your your uh, solution? I, I know it's, you, you're, you have a, I think that, I think it's the Mayo Clinic, I think is is using uh, your your solution right now uh, in a big, a big project. Uh, what would be what? What's the argument for for an organization? To, you know, kind of touching back on that budgetary sort of uh, issue, and and sometimes you know uh, the uh, procurement can be a, a little bit of a conservative or uh, part of the organization. They should be, uh, but how do you make that argument to say, hey, uh, we need to we need to uh implement this you know and it could be a first generation it could be we talked uh, again in in the pre-interview about some of your your competitors that there's some other solutions out there that that uh have some you know uh, some good uh uh approaches to to uh the digital workflow uh solution um how, how do you make that argument how what what would be something how would you recommend someone to uh you know, a, a lab manager to make an argument for a new technology like yours or, or one of your competitors? So um, that's an interesting uh, set of questions there, right? So um, let me tackle one at a time. So when it comes to the aspect of uh, new generation or new technology, I would call it, we call our technology today to be uh, Gen 2 in digital pathology. And why is that Gen 2? Um, when when the glass slides are prepared, they are scanned, so a digital copy is made, and then there is there has to be some kind of a um, an ombudsman that looks at the slides and decides whether they are good quality or do they have to be put back for a rescan. And then also the aspect of saying is my data integrity okay? Has everything been um, captured in the right fashion? so that I can pass it along into my storage or cloud such that um, they can essentially be utilized for uh, for a pathologist or for an algorithm to do its job for the downstream. First generation systems, um, rightly so, have essentially broken this down into individual parts 
and have addressed them independently. So this they asked the labs to deal with the aspect of the specimen integrity, if you may, um, in terms of how the specimens are made and they are checked out, whether they should be, they are ready to be digitized. Um, scanners have essentially said, we do scanning and nothing else. Um, the quality assurance has been left off to a set of people again, technicians, histotechnicians, that are expected to open up one image at a time, check for whether every part of the tissue, even tiny fragments of tissue sometimes get lost. Um, has everything been captured? Has it been captured properly? And is there a need for doing any, you know, a, a follow-on capture one more time by putting them back in the scanner? And then, so each of these, when they are done separately, um, that's what we have been calling as first generation. And they've been doing it, you know, the, the, the biggest problem to solve in the, was in the center, which was to say, can I make a good image? And that has been done fairly well. Gen 2 systems um, and what Pramana has been building um, of late are now systems that should become, you know, that should be at a higher level. Um, take away or essentially uh, simulate a lot of these functions into one box such that there is no need, like I said, for the labs to have to do a lot of pre-work before actually a digitization process starts. Um, there's no very, very little human, in, uh, there's very little human interaction in terms of the actual making the acquisition of the images and converting them into digital form, um, attaching them to other data from the patient and such. And the element of doing quality assurance, the burden of quality assurance on the lab, on the technicians, um, if that entire element can be brought into one box, then essentially you have solved a big problem for the lab managers. And this can be done, again, uh, it's done in software, it's done in, done in um, systems, in hardware that is actually very heavily interlaced with software, and it has a roadmap to be able to make it much more economically than having individual parts. So this is something that we are able to convey to lab managers very well now. Uh, with Gen 2 systems, um, this is a, a huge burden that, um, that pretty much gets taken away. In one fashion, um, when the, the, the equivalent of that is to say, you give us your slides and they run through our block, our systems, and you get back fully quality assured, um, standardized data in your storage. It'll appear magically and you do whatever you want to do with that data later. So this is what um, we've been talking about. And it also reduces the total cost of operation. If you could imagine, you know, the, the unsaid element of the cost of the number of resources along the entire uh, along the entire chain is what we have essentially been able to solve. And the, the other element that we are, um, we're trying to bring to the market um, and make a some sort of a, a generational change, if you may, in terms of how business is done. Um, we believe that the scanning systems, the storage elements um, are continuously going to get, you know, more and more intelligent. Uh, there'll be much more compute intensive and such as we go forward. And so, and in the early generation of systems, this is like having an electric car 
five or six years ago compared to today, um, you're you're going to have a scenario where you know any capex investment that you would make to acquire um, these expensive systems today um, are probably not the right choices to make because you know two to three years from today the systems could be much much looking much different than what they are today, and so one of the things that we've been uh, talking about as a as a new uh, feature, if you may, from Pramana, is the whole business model of digital pathology as a service, wherein, uh, wherein uh, we are um, discussing with our customers the ability to um, have them not have to have any upfront um, large capex investments, but look at this as a more of an operational expense, um, maybe on a, you know, a lease or a paper slide basis while at the same time giving them the assurance that um, the digitization part, the digital, the, the handling of the images and ensuring that the, the asset that is being created is future-proofed as well as you, know, you can have confidence in, in what has been created. That is the onus that we are taking upon ourselves. Okay. Okay, so so one of the, I mean, the other thing you're 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 innovating on is just is just the way you're getting the solution to to the end user. In, in other in mm-hmm. other words, that's okay. right. Okay, yeah. So certainly that that, argue, that helps with that argument that uh, we don't have a huge capital investment. It's it's uh, a, a software as a service type model that that you're following. And also, I um, like to tell people um, that, you know, it is in their best interest. It's like essentially, you know, leasing a first generation electric car. Uh, yeah. In some fashion, uh, why do you want to be stuck with something that is going to be so archaic? As the solution evolves or as their needs evolve, um, so the solution does as well. Okay. Yes. So, right. And then as you solve some more of these issues that we're talking about with, with uh integration, et cetera, it'll also, they'll also get that benefit as well without having to make a whole new capital investment, in other words. Yes. That's okay. right. Great, great. Well, let's let's circle back then. I always like to circle back or look ahead, and, and we're going to do both here. So let's circle back to our first question. So do you think in five years, you and I, who have been around the block a couple of times, will mm-hmm. be still asking that question, you know, why not digital? Or will we finally have reached a time when analog systems are and paper and you know, all, the, all the things we we're just talking about are the rare exception rather than the, the, than the rule? Do you think that's, that you and I won't have to have that discussion anymore? So um, who knows what the future has to hold and five years is sure. it's a lot of time. But uh, one thing for sure that, uh, that uh, I personally believe is that a, a good chunk of work that happens under a um, optical microscope, especially in the anatomic pathology lab, um, in the heme path lab, in cytology, um, would have got converted to digital. Whether that means also that there are, you know, there is AI and there are automated decisions happening um, for sign outs and such, um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go there that fast. But the aspect of conversion from having to look under a microscope or to be in the lab at the slide, at the glass slide, with the box of slides that came um, with the particular case, as well as the paperwork that that came with it, um, that I can clearly see um, is ripe for getting transformed. 
Um, right. Whether it happens in two years or four years, it depends on, you know, at what point in the curve are you saying we have actually arrived. Right. Um, having said that, um, there are certain pieces to the to the puzzle that still remain. Um, the the one part that the industry still will have to figure out is um, the aspect of how to address the largest variety of things that happen in a pathology lab. Um, there are certain specific use cases, certain specific speci- subspecialties where um, it is actually very, very important to retain, you know, the the complete data, if you may, in the three-dimensional space and um, of, of a particular location, of a particular feature, because you, there is much more than what meets the eye um, in, a, in a plastered 2D um, image format. So there is work to be done um, in, in, the, in the aspect of how do we store more data, how do we uh, achieve more efficiencies such that you're not blowing a hole in the, in, in the bank um, uh, in terms of you know, the cost associated with going digital with a particular case versus you know, what is the, the outcome that you got out of it. So the, we have some ground to cover, but I can clearly see that a big chunk of work would have gone digital from the pers- from the perspective of just handling the case, for right. sure. Okay, well, great. Well, with that, we've come to the end of our time. Prashant, uh, thanks again for taking the time to speak with me today about this, I, I think, critically important issue, you know, about workflow and, and leveraging resources. Um, I, I think that we've, we've covered a lot of ground here, and, and I'm certain that there's probably a lot more to cover. Uh, I also want to thank uh, you, the laboratory audience, for listening. Uh, Look for more episodes of Clinical Lab Chat in the future and visit us online at clpmag.com and on all of the major social media platforms. And until next time. Thanks so much, Chris. It's uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you and uh, great opportunity.